was going to be a fun 30 minutes because uh, I think the message that I've prepared is going to get sort of modified or ditched a little bit, but that's okay. Guys, you can have a seat for a bit. That'll be really cool. And you may be seated. Um, I'm actually going to start off within my notes, but I have really felt during the course of this meeting to focus and drill down into one particular issue. It's been brewing in the back of my heart for the, the week and it's definitely sitting on my spirit now as kind of an urgent issue. And uh, so let's get into this and I'll, I'll branch off where I think God wants it to go as a particular focal point. Yeah, we're in the book of Nehemiah this month as we're gearing up to next Saturday night. Who knows what's happening next Saturday night right here in this building? Who, who's heard about an event coming up? Give me a wave if you know anything about what I'm talking about. Ooh, about half the church. The rest of you should have received an invitation to an incredible event called the We Are Gathering. So we are, we are. Gathering. gathering. Gathering means coming together, right? That doesn't mean sitting at home watching the, the football. It means gathering here next Saturday afternoon at 4.30 for two hours. We're going to have a great time of extended worship together. We're going to share communion for the very first time since COVID struck town. Uh, we've got some um, specially prepared, as in we they've commercially produced little communion packs, individual for each person, so there's no someone else's grotty fingers. Mind you, none of us have got grotty fingers anymore, have we? We've all got sanitized hands. It's like it's a whole new world out there. It's amazing. You can touch the doorknob of a shop without thinking, Ugh. Uh, well, less, Ugh. yeah, anyway. Next Saturday afternoon, and in the middle of that, uh, what we're doing is having an amazing uh, opportunity to bring our Build to Reach oper- uh, offering for that year forward. Uh, let's have a listen to um, something that we prepared earlier. Hey church, can you believe it's almost the end of September? I can't. Oh, I can't believe Where's it. Where's the year gone? Oh, it's just Unbelievable. Been, been a crazy year, I know. And But we have been really blessed over the last few months to be able to actually worship together. Lots of places and people can't still do that. So what a blessing it's been to oh, be able totally. to do this. We are so grateful, right? Yeah, as we've added C3 Parkside as another location during the last 12 months, we decided with the location pastors and chatting about it that we would perhaps do something a little bit different for Build to Reach this year. So earlier on, we actually let you know that we would postpone our Build to Reach offering from the first week of July, which it normally is, to the last weekend of September, and that is next weekend. It is. Just as we thought about what we could do with that this year, we realised that um, over the last 25 years, and uh, our whole church life has been built around worship and praise and the presence of God, and we love that, uh, to the point that we've uh, had most recently in uh, the Handorf location, an encounter service on a Sunday night. That's just given us plenty of scope to just sing songs and worship and hang in the presence of God for miracles and words and prophecies and all that stuff that we so value. And uh, we've loved that and the feedback we've got from that is uh, it's been fantastic. So we thought, well, why don't we incorporate that into Build to Reach? as something a little different this year. And so what that has led to is us having this amazing event called a We Are Gathering. We Are Gathering. We Are Gathering. We Are Gathering. Yeah. Saturday night together. It's a perfect opportunity for the church family to come together. Our church family. We love our church family, right? Every one of you needs to be there so we can gather together and um, be able to just talk about things together, about the future 
who we are, where we've, where come, we go, from. Where we've come from, yeah. and where we're going, and what's, what's happening. We've got some exciting news for you, different things coming up. What else are we going to do, Bruce? We are going to have communion. <gasps> wow, first time that we've been able to do that since COVID. We're having some refreshments. Yeah, we'll have some testimonies and stories. There's lots of things, so there's a whole program for the kids. There is, they actually get dinner, so they get Kids program dinner, 4.30 next Saturday night. So we're doing everything oh, we can to, to make it uh, as easy as we can for you to come. We yeah. so love our church family yeah. and we'd love to come together to this special event in 2020. Yep, yeah. so why don't you grab your phones, get yep. it out and um, you'll see that how to sign up. We actually need you to register um, because we need to know numbers and so on. Yeah, catering for the kids catering and stuff, yeah. Oh, and COVID and all that sort of stuff. It'd just be yeah. much easier if you register. So grab your phones now. Register if you haven't already done that, and uh, we're looking forward to being together as a family. Next it's going to be a fantastic night, night. so together. looking forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, the reason that we wanted to present that as a video to you is to get used to the reality that that's being played at Parkside this morning. And so uh, we are one church in two locations, and so there are times when that sort of announcement will be made when we're not here. Uh, and we just uh, decided let's, let's just start something with a little bit of continuity. And so those sorts of video announcements from us and or Emma and John or maybe Simon and Georgia, depending on the occasion and what it's about, will pop up from time to time. Because uh, I can feel a little bit funky sort of watching yourself give, it, give an announcement, which I sort of half gave anyway. Didn't I, Julie? Julie was looking at me like, even in recording that, I stole most of her lines. Until we did a second or third take, and then I behaved myself. Anyway, I digress. So we're in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great book in the Old Testament. It's a story about building, and more importantly, about rebuilding. And I don't know about you, but I have found in my life that I get broken. There's things that happen to me that, that break me, um, or that break down or, or break out, or I just end up being a little dysfunctional or beat up, or like the car that Jason shared about, you can just hit a post or something else, an unexpected obstacle in your path for life can cause damage to you. And this is a great story about recovery. This is a great story about what it takes to actually to get through and to rebuild or re, uh, realign or fix, or maybe write off and start again uh, our life. And in this case, it's not a write off. What they go back to in Jerusalem is a mess. The place has been completely obliterated through a massive war um, years and years ago. And there's a lot of just, as you would see even today, uh, more so, uh, pictures of places that are in the middle of a war zone. And you see buildings in just laying in ruins, just rubble. They've been blown up. Well, they didn't have explosives back then, but they certainly had lots and lots of people with destructive instruments. And <clears throat> the picture that the Bible paints is of the temple and the walls of Jerusalem being absolutely obliterated. <coughs> Excuse me, can I have my water? Um, unusually. <coughs> All right, I haven't got coronavirus. <laughs> <coughs> but I will cough into my elbow, if that helps. Those of you online, you're safe. So let me read from Nehemiah and pick up this story. So we've got this amazing story <coughs> of a group of people who are committed to rebuilding. I would hope that you're here this morning because you've got the same spirit in your life. No matter how you've come to church, no matter what <clears throat> it is that you've been through most recently in your life, 
I'm of the view that God wants to help you to rebuild whatever it is that needs to be rebuilt. <clears throat> and in this particular part of this series for this month, understand this. When you make a decision to keep on keeping on, when you make a decision to get on with the job that God's put before you, there will always be opportunities for a voice of opposition to come. Now, in this story, it comes in the form of a few people. But I want to say to you what I felt God lay in my heart <clears throat> is to understand that there is as much opposition to a step forward in our life from inside as there is from outside. We've got our own battles that go on in here, in our heart, and in here, in our mind, when we make a decision to step out of a situation or step towards a new era, to step beyond a certain place of pain or step out of a certain a relational complexity in our life. <clears throat> and so let's just see what happens in this story and we'll use it as a bit of a uh, template, I think it's the right word to use for a few thoughts this morning. Nehemiah 4, 1 to 5 says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. You just got to get the impression this bureaucrat is absolutely ticked off. He's sensing that his position of authority is being usurped by the uprising of this group of people. A group of people are dangerous. That's why protests are still popular. A group of people can do things that are um, unpredictable. They have an unpredictable amount of energy that can be generated when a crowd gets together. You may recall the story of the Tower of Babel, um, where it makes this remarkable story in that story in Genesis that um, when we get together with one voice, the Bible says this, a group of people with one voice, nothing will be impossible for them. It's amazing, like, which is why, to, in a reverse sense of saying, many of our churches remain powerless in our society because we don't have one voice. If we had one voice, we'd be doing the impossible. So when we're not doing the impossible, all roads lead to disunity, like it's such an important issue to get unified. And so Nehemiah unifies a bunch of people to do something remarkable. They rebuild a city wall, which in some uh, commentaries suggest the wall that they rebuilt was 20 feet thick. Not just the brick wall here of our building, it's two courses of bricks and stone that's about that thick. Talking 20 feet, which is basically between those pillars and those pillars. That's a thick wall. And they built that wall around the city that thick, or parts of it anyway, in 52 days. Like, you kind of go, they didn't have cranes, they didn't have bobcats, they didn't have all of the engineering equipment that we've got to make that kind of construction work a piece of cake. And even that, it's still not a piece of cake, there's a lot of work that goes into it. These guys were working hard at what God had put before them, and there was opposition. And the first thing that's mentioned here as an opposing force is anger. And I'm going to drill down into that before I finish this message this morning. In the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Don't you love it when somebody's ticked off with you and they start to be a little bit derogatory? You're useless. You honestly don't think you can change the Adelaide Hills with a little outfit of a couple hundred people in a church, do you? You're just a bunch of happy, slappy, clappy Christian nutcases, what could you do? Little do they know. 
if we understand what the Bible says and we get unified, the sky's the limit. I said it, I'll say it again, the sky is the limit. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, it says in the book of Ephesians. That's pretty tall kind of sort of position to invite us into and we are invited, you're invited into that. Measure me more than all you can ask or imagine. It's like, well, you don't qualify for that statement from the Bible because you, you're not smart enough or you've got the wrong colour skin or you're not the right gender or you're not the right this or you're the right that. Listen, the Bible doesn't say anything about any of those exclusions. It says he, he will do a measure me more than all we ask or imagine. So I can declare that. Oh, come on. I can declare that. You and I have got every business to actually declare what the Bible has written for us to read and read aloud. He will do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. All I've got to do is get onto it. All I've got to do, understand alongside that, that some of the things that are appearing impossible are only possible when I get together with you. When we get together in unity, the sky is the limit and we keep on keeping on. Anyway, he talks to his associates <coughs> and uh, tries to discourage them with uh, put-downs. Will they restore their wall? Sarcasm. Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Ha, 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 ha. What a pack of losers you've got. He's take, they're just uh, heaping it on. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, was, who was at his side, said... What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on that thing would break down the, their wall of stones. Like they're just being completely and outrageously in the face discouraging. I don't know whether you've ever had somebody do that to you. Whether you've had somebody look you in the eye, close range, and tell you you're a loser. Tell you that you're not going to do it. What do you think you're doing with your life? You'll never amount to that. You want to become a doctor? You can't even add up straight. I'm not trying to become an accountant and become a doctor. It's like, it's like there's going to be a voice, but that might be coming from within. You can't do that. You might have a soundtrack going around inside your head that was put in there somewhere in your life that says, every time you try something new, you stuff up. So oh, I'm, I'm not going to try anything new anymore. No opposition from a sandballat is opposition, in my case, from Bruce. Bruce says, nah, -uh, we're not doing that. No, we're not going to try that. What's going on inside your head in the arena of anger is my question this morning. It's a slight digression. How cynical are you about your own life? How sarcastic can you become about the future? doesn't have to be a sandblast screaming these things at it. It could be yourself, to yourself, because that's what you've learned. Somebody taught you to be that nasty to yourself. And by kind of extension of that line of thinking, we would find therefore that we can be that kind of nasty to other people and I've got good news this morning that when we have an anger issue in our life it can be repaired by the Lord anger is an interesting beast <coughs> very interesting necessary emotion but it's really easy like lots of things that are good for us and anger, anger is good providing it doesn't end up being um, moved over to the arena of destructive or evil, or sinful. And it's got a half-life. You know, anger, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I've always seen that as an encouragement to make sure you try and make it right before you go to bed. Like, when you're married, it's a good idea. Um, just, you don't want to go to bed at war. But sometimes it happens. But anyway, <coughs> I've had a bit of a revelation that 
it's not just an invitation to make it right. It is the reality that, that anger should never, ever be able to wake up the next morning in the same place in your heart as it went to bed with you the night before. It's, not, it's got no business having another day's life. It's like, for me, that's a massive challenge. It's like, a- anger's meant to be cut off. It's not meant to be something that, that, that broods on and on and on. But some of us were brought up in homes where people were moody. Don't put your hands up. And, and, and moods weren't just having a 24-hour cycle. Moods had weeks, sometimes months, and, and there's, there's moods. Anyone understand the word I'm talking about? Moods. You know, that, that's like, whoa. Um, <coughs> yeah, it, it can be a scary thing. Um, I'll move on. I can't quite come back to some of that. This is a little bit all over the place because I'm feeling like I'm, I'm wanting to just put some little tentacles out into the arena of your thinking about what you're thinking about and what you're angry about in particular. You might say, I'm not angry about anything. Or spend a few spend a bit of time with me. We'll test that theory out. I reckon I could get too worked up before I went home this morning at lunch. Uh, anyway. Um, <coughs> verse 4. Their response to this abuse was really helpful for us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like vengeance is mine, says Bruce. Not what the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If I'm able to actually live out of that scripture, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I'm going to spend a whole lot less time plotting my revenge. I'm going to spend a whole lot less time letting my anger keep building up in my narrative up here, I'm going to get stuck in that place. It might not be as clear as that. I might just go, and Pat's really could testify to this, I think, if asked to. Uh, one of my modus operandi when I'm really angry is I just go quiet. But quiet is actually a learned behaviour of manipulation. I'm just going to wait out in silence till she breaks. Takes weeks. Talk. I go to my man cave in here and in here. Shut down. Turn off. She'll get the silent treatment. That is not violent anger. It's passive aggressive manipulation. Like it is. I just call it for what it is. I learned to be passive aggressive in my family. What did you learn? You learned to throw the pots and pans around. You learned to scream and shout at each other. You learned learn to get your claws out and scrape down the blackboard just to be annoying. I'm asking that question because this story about rebuilding is so important to understand where anger might fit into the picture of your life and what you're trying to build. And is anger on the outside less of an issue than anger on the inside for you? Because And wherever it's coming from, the key is to turn to God. And here in verse 4, these guys are under pressure. The, the guys that are building the wall are being hammered by this relentless scoffing, uh, put-downs, anger, whatever you call it. People in power and authority to make their life cha- a challenge. And the story goes on. There was a definite real threat that they had to deal with. But their response to this is this. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. 
So they get the impression these people who are on the outside have this false freedom. I've got to tell you that sadly I've met plenty of people and sometimes I include myself in this when I think about me. I've got issues on the inside of me that I suppress. I just don't want to admit it. And so it's a great thing to call out to God and say, oh God, help me. These people despise me. But maybe you're pleading to me, God, I, I despise myself. We are living in the aftermath of an extremely unusual set of circumstances with COVID-19 in the country. With our social structures being interfered with significantly at different levels. Let's say global and Victoria is the main mother country of world leaders. Uh, and serious social disharmony and collapse. mentioning that because I am truly aware that our days of being relevant in our communities as Christians has never been better. We have the answers. We have the answers to think about what to do with our anger. People are going to be angry. The psychologists will talk about the, the cycle of grief. One of the steps of our grief cycle is being locked up will cause us to grieve. There's loss of something, loss of job, loss of dignity, loss of freedom. Loss always gives rise to a cycle of grief that has in, in its steps, one of the big steps to get out of the grief cycle is dealing with your anger. You go from numbness and shock, it's like what the heck's going on, it's like you're speechless and you're just dumbfounded by the difficulty of your life. But just let a few weeks pass and you'll find in the way you were taught very conveniently like I can do it, cut right away out of it, cut right away out of news, cut right away out of scripture, but I know I'm on my path and I have to step to the landing and what am I, what am I going to do with this? And I'm going to call my people out so I don't have to face the darkest dark, the darkest, nastiest, whatever it is that you can throw your hand on the table, Jesus paid the price for that forever. Freedom is ours. That's the good news today. It's like, so none of it matters. And I'm not trying to make light of or simplify an anger or a, a, um, a burden that you might be carrying in your life and, and naively suggesting that it could be fixed in a blink. Because it might be a way more complicated exit strategy for you, but it doesn't matter how long that takes. What it does matter is that we believe God is the one to turn to. Let God guide you out of that place of being cranky. Anyone hearing anything that's helping them here this morning? So anger, in this story, there's a number of issues about anger. One is placing a low value on something I value highly. People can say things about church, for example. People can say things about, you what, you give 10% of your income to a church? Are you nuts on drugs or something? What's happened to you? It's like, 
but people can ridicule and scoff at, and they often do, at what they don't either know anything about or what they think they know about, but they don't actually know anything about it, but they tell you anyway. It's kind of like, yeah, you just, anyway, you'll find it. You'll sometimes have battles around that arena. You might have a battle around that arena when you think about going into a zone of faith with God for Bill to reach next weekend. Like, be aware of the battle that can go on when we step out of normal, it's all about me thinking, to Bible-based, kingdom-based thinking, which is all about him and his purpose, his will for my life, there will be a battle as you build that structure around your life. And be ready for voices of dissent inside and out. That's what this message is really about. Um, one of the other great things in this story, I'll move on to a third point, and it's just because time is ticking away. Um, discouragement and fear. I don't know about you. Does anybody ever get discouraged here? Give me a wave if you get discouraged occasionally. That's a pretty fair response. As in majority, if I asked how many people read their Bible every day, and to be, I'm not going to ask that question, so keep your hand down, but um, I reckon, just give me another wave if you've ever, if you get discouraged. Give me another, so I can see it, because I've got the lights in my eyes up here. Yeah, that's a pretty good response. It's an issue. What about fear? I met a guy once who said, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. And my initial response was, you're lying. <laughs> about fear, but I'm not talking about just fear of, I'm talking about um, fear that grips, f- fear that paralyzes, fear that stops you or me in our tracks. What's our church fearful of? Is it afraid? What is it that we might be called to do as a church that we're actually afraid to take the step to do? Like, what is that? I would say to you honestly that um, the step required and the steps we've taken to put a location at Parkside required a whole lot of encouragement, a whole lot of words of prophecy and words of uh, encouragement from people we trusted that were talking for us from God. You can do it. These are the guys who can do it. Coincided with Simon and George saying, yes, we will do it. There's more on the way. I don't know how many locations are going to come out of this church by the time we hang up our hat, but I've got to tell you, there's going to be more than I want it to be. <laughs> Just telling you, it's going to be bigger than I want it to be. Why? Because God's got bigger plans than I can possibly imagine, Right? He can do immeasurably more. Yeah, that's amen. It's scary though, right? It's like, oh my gosh. Um, Anyway, I digress. That's a good thing. It would be a really good thing if I then said, but I think you're meant to go. That might not be such a good day. Maybe it would be. Only joking. Um, No, maybe. Oh dear. Discouragement and fear. Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Fear is not meant to actually ever have control over me or you, but it does occasionally. And again, I'd say that the, the rule that I found works for me go to God. Go to God. And so these people did that. Um, They actually asked God to deal with their detractors. Interesting. Turn 
their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Bible scholars and theologians have a little bit of a problem with that text because it doesn't seem to live in um, alignment with the gospel of love your enemy. But one of the commentaries I read was a little helpful with that is this is not a prayer of retribution as much as one of just allowing the consequences of what they've done to actually keep on unravelling. It's still got a bit of a, yeah, just sick of God kind of bent to it, right? We've all prayed those little prayers, haven't we? You know, it's just like, just God, just take them out, would you? Just, just pull them up. It's actually not the right prayer to pray, and God doesn't answer the wrong prayer, so it's, it's, it's safe that it sort of goes to the ground dead in the water, but um, I've definitely prayed a few prayers for, yeah, God, just yeah, take them out, Lord. Uh, yeah, just trying to be a little... No, I am being transparent. I, I, I want you to know, I'm like you, I'm a, on a journey of discovering um, how complicated I am. How complicated life is, but how uncomplicated God is. God is not complicated. I mean, he is completely beyond our comprehension. But on the other hand, of that complexity, God is completely knowable as love. We just fit like a hand in a glove into God because he made us that way. He fits into us like a hand in a glove because he made us that way. It's not complicated to find God. It's not complicated to actually live with God in our life. He's made it as simple as this. Believe his son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross in a little pipsqueak country called Israel that was an occupied country in the Roman Empire back 2,000 years ago. He died a brutal death on a cross so that we could have a restored relationship with him, as in God. It's just remarkable. He's made it that simple. People say, oh, no, I don't believe that. What difference does it make? No. Nah. No, it's all that religion stuff, not for me. It's all a load of, it's a load of crock. No, you need a crutch like that. I don't. I'm strong. I'm, I'm, I'm a man's man, mate. I've got to sort it. I don't need any of that religious stuff. I've got to tell you, you do. I've got to tell you that there's an eternal destination. Um, this thought, this is one of those moments, this is an honest one, about um, an honest thought about go get him, God, is when every one of us, no matter how rich, how poor, how successful, how wonderfully progressive ideologically we may or may not have been, the day comes when you drop dead. Every one of us is going to walk through that door. I love it. It's called justice. <laughs> Those of us that are giving our hearts to Jesus have got nothing to worry about. We're just walking straight through that door into another place. That's wonderful. Others of us are going to hit the door and wonder what they hit. Because it is a door, it's called death, and we're all going to hit it. Mm. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I've signed up for, lived for, valued, loved, done everything I can to find when I get to that door, I literally step through because of faith in Christ. And anybody, and I mean anybody, can actually receive him. 
So, how do we do what we're doing? The title of this message was Keep On Keeping On. Got to love the tone of the Bible, because this story goes on. We haven't got time to read the rest of the chapter, but they get on with the job. It goes on to describe over the following chapters that they work with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They had opposition. They, they organised themselves to look after themselves. People were protecting the builders. There were people who were building. There were people who were protecting. and Then there were people doing both according to their ability. It's like the work that God's got for us to do is important. And it requires tenacity, it requires wisdom, it requires planning and organisation. But alongside all that, it also requires us to keep on keeping on. Don't give up. If you've been praying about something, don't give up. If you've been working on your anger, don't give up. If you've been working on some other arena of your life that you know God wants you to change, keep on keeping on. Don't, don't give up. And so let me finish with this scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. It would appear to me that the promise of God and some of the promises of God are connected to our willingness to keep on keeping on. It's like the thing won't be revealed to us if we give up too soon. And so the writer of Hebrews quotes a couple of Old Testament texts back into the mix. In a little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay and... But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. That's a scary thought. God's been pretty direct there. He doesn't like any of us to take a step forward in his purpose and plan and in his grace and mercy and live there. It's not like it's wrong to take a step forward and then find yourself bounced out of a step back. It's like when there's established ground. When there's established ground in your life as a Christ follower, this scripture is saying, don't shrink back. goes on to say it even more bluntly in the next verse. But we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Why don't we stand to our feet? kind of feel like um, I've... just massage the extremities of an issue that I would like to think we could explore a little more um, in our church and one of the things we want to talk about next Saturday night is a program that we have found that we would like to put into place in our church and we'll talk about the details of it next week but it is essentially looking at and giving practical help to people to not let anger either destroy or wreck the relationships they have with the people they love. Uh, it's really pushed a button in my heart that it's a great program with a great intent to help people manage it and find the grace in God to be godly around the issue of anger in their lives. Uh, we'll give you a lot more detail about what that is next week, but I just want to say, um, because of what sitting on top of this message for me at the moment, it, it, this is an issue that I believe is going to be huge going forward in our country. The need for people to have help. I don't know about it, it like, this is a, just a random thought. We in South Australia have not had the 
severity of lockdown, for example, as our brothers and sisters in Victoria have had. Wouldn't it be interesting to think along these lines that we South Australians will have something to offer angry Victorians? Not as a place of criticism by any stretch of imagination, like it's not a criticism, it's like we can help you. Like we sent contact tracers to Victoria to help them trace and track down the coronavirus. Wouldn't it be incredible to think that the churches send South Australians to a place like Victoria as it recovers from this lockdown into our churches. We go over there and we just love on them. We just help them say, we'll we'll run that program. We might even do it by Zoom, but we'd love to. What I'm saying is, if we're not in that place that's broken, we can help them to fix their place that is broken. Anyway, I digress. Let me pray in closing. Have a coffee. Father God, we just give you thanks this morning that you've called us to build our lives. Father, you call us to build walls around our life that are boundaries. They're not walls of excluding people. They're not walls to, um, of safety for us to closet ourselves away. They're, just, they're walls figuratively of, of boundaries, things we will and won't do. Thank you, Father, that that wall in this story of Nehemiah is surrounding a temple, a place of worship and praise. And I pray for every one of us this morning that the temple, which is our body, would be filled with the light of heaven, that we would actually find ourselves full of praise and worship. Forgive us for the times this week, Lord, where we've been filling out our temple with anger or disappointment or frustration. or some other thing that I haven't named, but you just go, you know, I know what you're talking about, Bruce. Father, forgive us. Lord, just let the the grace of heaven flood every one of us right now. Pray that you be setting hearts free. Lord, that we would learn today, maybe right now in this place, to let go of something that we've been hanging on to. That we'd be able to honestly say as we hit the pillow tonight, I have not let the sun go down on that anger. It's gone. And so, Father, I pray right now you'd set hearts free in the name of Jesus. Right now, there'd be a release. Right now, release, release, release. Empower us, equip us, strengthen us to keep on keeping on, Lord. We are not going to be those who shrink back, but, Lord, we are those that are saved by faith and will keep walking. So give us the, the, um, the unction. Give us that nudge in the side come on we can do this kind of feel from the Holy Spirit who is our friend to launch out into the deep together I pray Lord that as a church over this next week as we approach our we are gathering next Saturday night that we would find ourselves excited about what it's possible for us to do here in the Adelaide Hills across the city of Adelaide and beyond in Jesus mighty name Amen I will be down the front for a bit this morning I haven't dug that deeply into this issue, but I might have pushed a button in your life that I do not want you to go home uh, without dealing with that. If you need to come and talk to me, make an appointment to see me, whatever, 
I'm more than happy to, to either help you directly or point you towards somebody who could help you if you know that God has just nailed you this morning in the arena of anger or your internal world. Please come and see me. God bless. Have a great week. Coffee is up. Are we going to sing a song to finish? All right, well, I'll get out of the way. An altar call? Yes, we could, uh, we could do an altar call. That might be a good idea in church, do you think? What do you reckon? Some of you might be getting really cranky with me right now because I'm just waiting for that guy to ask me to give my life to Jesus. Tegan Schultz can testify to the fact she were cranky with me for about three weeks because I kept on forgetting to do an altar call and she was ready to give her heart to Jesus. It's like, eventually got there, right, Tegs? This is many years ago. How many years ago was that, Tegan? Ten years ago? Are you sure? Ten years ago? It can't be ten years. I seemed like yesterday I was an idiot. Um, No, no, like water for ducks back. Uh, Okay, no, I do. Thanks, Emma, for the little nudge there. Um, This is a really serious question. Is he in here? Simple as that. Is he in here? Who? Jesus. If he isn't, he wants to be. But he won't gate crash your world. He'll come in because you ask him. And so we just uh, do, when I don't forget, we always ask at the end of a church service here at C3 Church. Is this the moment where you know he's real and you want him on the inside of your life? In other words, you want to give your life to him and follow him. Maybe the way I described the moment we die, what happens? We walk through it. Something in church can just make a flick in the switch inside your thinking. It's like, I'm ready. So if you're ready to give your life to Jesus this morning, maybe you have and you've slipped away, or maybe you've never prayed a prayer and you're not certain he lives in your life, I'd love you right now. I just ask everyone to close their eyes for a 20 seconds. I need you to give me a little wave and say, that's me, Bruce. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to reconnect my life to the Lord or I'm not really sure that I ever have. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Is there anyone else that wants to just reach out to God this morning? Thank you. Put your hand down. God bless. Let's all pray this prayer together then right now. So this, say these little phrases after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you unconditionally love me, that I can come into your presence with all of my shortcomings because Jesus paid the price on the cross. His death, resurrection, opened the door of heaven for me and for everyone else who believes in him. So, Lord, I ask that you'd receive me into your kingdom. I confess my sin. I confess my mistakes. I repent. That means, Lord, I'm going to try it with all my will to not go there again. I'm so grateful that I am now your child with an eternal life in Christ. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an offering of praise again this morning. Thank you, Jesus.